Welcome to another episode of NBA Betting Lines. Crazy first two days in the NBA. Um, it, it's very hard to predict these first few games. You're trying to fill teams out. It's easier to do it when you have trends. Um, lots of craziness last night. Obviously, the Jazz blowing out the Nuggets, I think, was the biggest, uh, you know, wild thing that happened. But, you know, the, the, the bad teams were competitive. OKC was competitive. Their game in Minnesota, you thought Minnesota was going to be good. OKC was competitive. How about New Orleans blowing out? Uh, Brooklyn, Zion being back, that, that's another little uh, shame in the game. We got two lines tonight we'll talk about. Milwaukee's in Philly, Philly minus four. I don't like doing the over-unders this early. It's too you know, tough to call with these threes and everything. Clippers in L.A., Clippers in the Lakers. They're both in L.A. Lakers plus five and a half. We'll, we'll talk about both those games. I, I do want to just, you know, for... for the new listeners out there kind of understand, okay, who is this guy that's talking, you know, just to give a brief intro of myself. My name's Aton Rosenberg. Um, what are my credentials, right? So, look, obviously, this is a, a betting podcast. Bet um, at your own risk and, and all that. You know, I have a, an analytics background, and I'm a former uh, director of analytics for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. All right, G League, who cares? Yeah, I get it. But the year that I, I helped them, which was – uh, you know, one year, one year only. Uh, helped them with the draft. Helped them with prep throughout the season. They won the championship that year. Take that for what it's worth. Did I lead them to the championship? No. I'm not going to give that much credit. That's a crazy. But that's how correlations work, buddy. Um, since then, I've dabbled in a couple of NBA circles uh, as well. Uh, created a formula in the mid-2000s around spacing. Now it's, it's the latest craze. And you know, since then, have done some consulting work here and there for NBA coaches, helping them with lineup rotations, uh, you know, to maximize efficiency with units. One of my big theses in general is you don't have to start your five best players. Your five best players should get the most minutes, but they don't need to start. And a lot of times when I look at the betting lines and I assess those, I actually look at what the rotations are going to be, which I think is obviously critical. A lot of people... You want to see if the lines are overrating or underrating a piece of news and then take advantage of that, right? So, for example, you know, the Celtics spread uh, moved a little bit because of the, the whole coaching situation. And a lot of people mention this, but, you know, does, does, does a coach for a single game going to make that much of an impact? Not necessarily. It's going to be some of the rotation moves. And sometimes if a guy's out, it actually helps, right? If that guy's sort of negative efficiency, it helps. The Orlando-Detroit game, you know, I'm, I'm making these – you know, either morning of, in this case, morning of, or, or night prior, had I known, you know, that look, Detroit won by four. It was a close one. That was the one, that was the one confident game I got. Had we known that, I liked, for, for Orlando, I like Jalen Suggs, that point guard all along. Cole Anthony is a good backup point guard. It reminds me of like a Reggie Jackson type. He's going to give you offense off the bench. He could close games. Again, he could get starters minutes, but that team needs to start Jalen Suggs. They drafted him high. He's a point guard. And they're trying to force him into a two. That doesn't work in the NBA always, right? When you try to force one guy into another position. Orlando made that same mistake years ago with Victor Oladipo when they drafted him. He was a shooting guard his whole college career. And they tried to force him into a point guard. Didn't really work. And you saw later he had success, obviously. This was pre that injury that he has suffered. So let's get to the lines. You got Milwaukee in Philly. Now, look, again, you got to see what they're coming off of and all that, right? So this is Milwaukee's first game, right? Pretty rare. Most teams have already played. Milwaukee has not played yet. 
Uh, it's also going to be the Clippers' first game later. So there's more unknowns with teams' first games. There's more unknowns with, with what we've seen already, right? So the Sixers we've already seen. Now, look, that Sixers-Celtics game was interesting, right? The Celtics pulled ahead in the end. But Celtics had unsustainable, I call it unsustainable, three-point shooting and field goal percentage of that game. They shot 58% from the field. They were shooting over 40 from three. Now, they have good shooters. I get it. And some of the looks were wide open. But that's still about five percentage points, which is going to give you about six, nine more points than, than necessary, higher than you'd anticipate. That game was also tight through the end. What you have to look at when you see the final outcome sometimes is a 60-point loss could either be a competitive game for three and a half uh, quarters and then the last you know six minutes – uh, you know, the a team pulls away. Or it was a 25-30 point game. The scrubs came out in the fourth, and and then it just dwindled down to 16. But it was really, you know, it, it wasn't a game for a while, right? So you look at like, and, and, and it's the tale of two games. This is important when you look at spreads. So, you know, on opening night, just to kind of look back at it, it it's really funny because it's the tale of two, right? The, the Celtics Sixers spread was tighter because that game was tight throughout. Right, that game was still you know anybody's game to start the fourth. Harden had a great game, you know Embiid was mitigated a bit, and and then Boston pulled away. But you got to figure. So what what are those things that Philadelphia did are sustainable? What are those things that are, are abnormal and, and everything like that? So Harden having another good game seems sustainable, right? Harden um, against a great perimeter defense. He played. You know the Celtics probably have the best perimeter defense in the NBA. Um, probably one of the best teams that could cover Harden. He looked fantastic. He's spry. He's thin. Uh, what hurt Philly a little bit is when he was going ISO Harden too much, and that works in Houston, and that's Maury's specialty. Well, that work as the season goes on. That's a trend we need to see. Uh, I guess Milwaukee, they got Drew Holiday, right? So Milwaukee does have good perimeter D, but I don't know if their perimeter D is better than Boston's. Boston's throughout Brogdon, White, Tatum, Brown, Smart. I mean, there's a lot of guys that can throw at you. Milwaukee's just is just Harden. I mean, it's just a holiday. So I think Harden is still going to have a good game. I take the over on his threes made. Uh, remember, this is in Philly. So Philly wants to have some kind of revenge factor, you know, coming off a loss. You like betting teams that are coming off bad losses that are compelled to win, right? And typically what I call a bad loss is if they, they lost against the spread by a significant margin. So if Philly was plus three and a half in Boston, and then that game was sort of a blowout, they're going to be a little peeved. They're going to come in with far more momentum at home, home opener. I want to prove themselves. Milwaukee, again, you have to try to decipher intent, which is difficult. Milwaukee, the intent is tougher to determine, right? It's the first game. Um, they looked good in preseason and all that. Now, Milwaukee just had a deep playoff run. I keep saying this. The same thing happened to Boston. It wasn't true, but I'll double down. Milwaukee had a fairly deep playoff run. They have aspirations to win the East. And I've said in prior pods, they're incentivized to win as many regular season games as possible so they don't have another Game 7 on the road. That's really what it is. You want to win not because of the first two games, the home court advantage, or home court advantage really plays in the NBA is Game 7s. It's very hard to win a Game 7 on the road. You do it, it happens, especially when a team is too competent. You saw last year with Dallas-Phoenix. But Milwaukee's going to try to win. So th this is, obviously they're going to try to win. Every team tries to win, but my point is, you know, they really, uh, they're incentivized to, more so than other teams who previously had deep playoff runs. Just because of the way they lost in the playoffs last year. Fine. 
The spread's a little big. It's a little big. It's Philadelphia minus four. Now, here's my issue. Vegas, according to the, the team over-unders, uh, already overrated the Sixers to start the year, right? Their over-under win total is 50 and a half. I, I like that more at 48 and a half. Those little differences matter a point or two in the spread. Because now Vegas is assuming the Sixers are like a three seed. And, the, and they're actually, you know, similar to the Bucs, which were a two seed. Where I think it's more like a one five seed, right? Like the Bucs are more of a one seed and the Sixers are more of a five seed, which makes the spread tough. Now, you got to look at then the little missing pieces on the Bucs. And then who's going to get the rotation minutes? We know what the Sixers are. They're going to show the same rotation they did in game one, right? I think what the Sixers do differently is they realize, you know, Maxi had a great preseason. He needs to get more involved um, in this lineup. What the Sixers also have to figure out is, you know, everyone's going to want to eat their pie, right? I think Embiid needs touches. Maxi needs speed. Tobias Harris, where the hell is he, right? And Doc Rivers has not – he'll eventually fix this rotation. He's going to have to. Um I don't love Harris in the starting lineup at all. I think he needs to come off the bench until he does that. The Sixers, to me, are a little bit of a, a tough team to bet on. Having said that, they're coming off a loss. It's minus four. It's a lot of points. I don't love the minus. I'm going to be a little careful right here. I'd rather just take the, the, uh, the Sixers' money line. Right? It's like minus 150. Not great. Uh, you could take the spread. It's small. But four and two is a is a massive difference in the NBA. Where if there's tight games, it's all about free throws down the stretch. And if you want to sweat it out on free throws, be my guest. Um, but I, I, I would have, if I were making this line, I would have done it like Philadelphia minus two and a half. I think that's a fair line, and I would have taken the Sixers there. That point matters to me. You could do an alternate point spread, Philadelphia minus one and a half. It's not going to make that much of a difference, right? Um. But if you take the Sixers money, actually, it's minus 170. So with betting odds minus 110, you might as well. I'm not, again, about a four on confidence level. You might as well take the Sixers minus four. Again, they're coming off a bad loss. Um, I would have liked that spread to be lower. I think they win this game. The spread is going to be between three and five points. So that's where it's tough. Now, the Bucks. you know, let's talk about them for a second, right? Um, Joe Inglis is out. They got a lot of other pieces that are developing. Jordan Noir, I think, is going to get more minutes. Pat Connington, uh, all of those guys, right? I think all of those guys get far more minutes. So that that's a net-net even to me. They're better off long-term with Joe Inglis. I love Joe Inglis, but I don't think it's going to matter on, on some of these point spreads earlier in the year when they have good chemistry with their current unit. Um, and also, those role players tend to do far better at home than they do on the road. So, yeah, give me the Sixers here, minus four. Again, not super confident about it. Let's call it, um, you know, even level of confidence, right? Um, again, on the the L.A. matchup, Clippers in the Lakers, Lakers plus five and a half. Like, the, first of all, kudos to Vegas because I don't know how much home court matters here when the game's in L.A. Now, having said that, it doesn't matter who's hosting. There are going to be majority Laker fans, okay? The Sixers are minus five and a half. My philosophy is as follows. The most overrated team going into the season, based on the Vegas over-unders, is by far the Lakers. Let's dissect it a little bit. Okay, The Lakers have an over-under of 44.5. Okay? 44.5. They were a 33-win team last year. 
So Vegas is assuming 11-12 wind improvement based off what? You know, perceived health? First of all, even with Davis and James together, they were barely a 500 team. Okay. Second, they their depth. They have the they have the worst three through twelve in the league. Yeah, worse than Utah, worse than OKC. Okay. Find me their third best player. It's not Westbrook. I don't even know who the third best player is. Is it Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, Patrick Beverly? That's tough. That's tough. And this is not what what, what I feel just bad about. Just. Look, it, I feel like the whole Lakers situation is forcing me to be a LeBron James defendant. I, I don't need to be. The guy said F Boston. I, I don't need to be a defender of LeBron James. Having said that, people are just going to eviscerate uh, him, you know, uh, historically, because they're going to look at these bad Lakers teams that he quote-unquote led and gloss over how weak this depth was. I mean, those G League teams with more depth. This is bad. Now, we can get into what the Lakers should do. I, I, I'm going to say until the cows come home. I think the Lakers and the Knicks are good trade partners. The Knicks need to go in the opposite direction. Um, will they is a big question. Uh, and Randall and Fournier for Westbrook's expiring, just, just call it a day is fine. If I'm the, the Lakers, I try to snag, you know, at least Rose, hope for Cam Reddish, just in a cap-clearing move. And then the Knicks kind of do a quasi-rebuild, but they play Obi top and more and everything like that. Cam Reddish... Looked great, by the way, in that first game in Memphis. Um, but yeah, look, continue betting against the Lakers. That's it. It's the easiest thing. And if you're going to make that bet all season, just do it all season. I, I think if you want to have a good investment strategy in sports betting right now in the NBA, just continue to bet against the Lakers until Vegas treats them like the 32-win team that they are. They are not a 44-win team. They should not be treated as such. The Golden State game showed it. That game was over. If the game's over in the first six minutes of the third quarter or earlier, the team is bad. I don't care who's playing who, what's playing what, etc., etc., okay? I honestly do not care. Right? If you're playing any NBA team, it should be competitive until the beginning of the fourth. If it's not, then you're a bad team, okay? You could be the worst. If you're the if you're playing in Golden State, Golden State's incentivized to win, and you're playing in Golden State, that means you're bad. So the Lakers did that. I get it. it was, but it's the first game for both teams. It's the first game for both teams. So if you're doing that, to me, that, you know, real firmly, um, real firmly tells me, you know, just um, just how bad you are, right? So great. So they've they've basically confirmed it, and this is an easy one for me. So I'm taking Lakers to lose this. Clippers minus five and a half all day. I don't even care. I don't care who's healthy. I don't care. Bet against the Lakers all season long. Make money off it. Hope you enjoy this one. We'll do better tonight than we did the other night. All right. Just keep with it. Okay, if you want to just have some tenements, they're easy. Okay, you just got to figure out who's playing, who's not playing, right? Obviously, if there's been, I'm, if I make a call, there's been a lot of changes up to game time. I don't have enough time to, you know, do a whole new pod and all that. So, finally, it's Sixers minus four. I'm not in love with that pick. Confidence level about a four. Clippers minus five and a, five and a half. I like it a lot. Eight confident level. Bet against the Lakers. We'll see you on the other side.